Welcome to the She Heals the World talk show with Dr. S, the place to hear stories of heart-driven women creatively living free. Our episodes highlight conversations and insights that support the values of self-care, creative and personal freedom, slower living, happiness, health, and wellness to help you live your absolute best life. To be a part of the movement and join the conversation, step inside our free Facebook group, She Heals the World, and say hello. It brings me great joy to bring you our next episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the She Heals the World talk show. So today I am so excited to share Kristen's work with Miss Design Barry. Kristen, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, why don't you tell everybody how you got started in this work? So I graduated school and moved to New York City, and I was actually working in advertising. I had gone to school for graphic design, and I had a great job, but was always strapped for cash because that's just living in New York City. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I started an Etsy business on the side, and I just did some design and illustration work, really the stuff that I loved doing that I wasn't necessarily doing in my job. And I just kind of slowly continued to grow it. I started um, focusing on weddings when I realized that that clientele really fit my niche of what I was looking to design. And it was a very um, it was a very lucrative market in terms of how much clients were willing to pay. So I just sort of honed what I was offering and uh, continued to focus on adding new designs and new options to my Etsy shop. And that began in 2010 and skip forward five years to 2015, I uh, left my job that was my full-time job and focused primarily on Miss Design Berry. Wow, super exciting. So I want to hear all about like what that was like when you left and everything. But before we go there, what did you think you were going to be doing when you when you grew up? Um, so this is so embarrassing, but when I was 12, I wrote a book about how I wanted to be the first woman MLB player Um, (laughs) because I was in love. Like I played softball. I love playing softball. And I thought that that's what I wanted to be. Um, That is not what I ended up being, but I still have a huge love for fitness and sports. Um, But yeah, that's, that's what I thought I was going to be when I was 12. (laughs) Wow. And then you just realized like you had this really awesome creative skill. So like, when did that kind of come about? Um, So I'm super lucky. My mom is extremely artistic. She's an interior designer. Uh, She also has her own business. So I grew up always doing arts and crafts. And at some point, probably in high school, I I kind of knew that what I was going to be doing would definitely be art related. And then when I decided to go to school um, for graphic design, that's when I really sort of cemented it that I knew that that was what I wanted to do. Okay. And tell me about like, so I have never obviously gone to graphic design school. <laughs> I'm sure that there are some people who like are jumping straight into graphic design without going to school and some people who went the, the traditional route like you did. So what was school like? Like, what did you learn? How long did it take for you to get your degree? And did you feel like it really prepared you to do what you're doing now? Um, school, I did like a traditional four-year college. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing two degrees. So I also got an English degree. Um, But from the graphic design perspective, it was really great. I do feel very strongly that graphic design is not a profession that you have to go to a traditional four-year school for. Um, A lot of the women on my team 
have either gone to two years, gotten an associate's degree, done online courses, or honestly have been completely self-taught because mm. of all the things that are available online today. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of skill that, that you can really choose how you want to pursue it, but you do not have to follow the traditional route. Mm, okay, that's really good to know. And I'm sure that's going to help a lot of people who are thinking about going into it or who maybe didn't go to school and are thinking, gee, should I go back and get a degree? Is that going to like help me get started? So 2015, you are in your full-time job, you're transitioning into a full-time business. How did that happen? And like, what hurdles did you experience when you were making that shift? So I had promised myself that I would pay off all of my student loans before I made the jump. Mm. And I think when I graduated school, I had around $35,000 in student loans. Yeah. So um, that was really, that was really my main benchmark. And then secondarily was I wanted to make sure I was making enough money um, that not only I would be able to support myself, but know that if I had a few slow months or things didn't go as I planned, it wasn't going to be like one month without income and I was going to be um, like completely strapped for cash. So I wanted to make sure that I felt comfortable in, you know, not only not having debt, but also that, um, you know, I was on a path that I would be able to put away some money each month as well. Um, because it's obviously much less um, predictable when you're working for yourself. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because, I mean, I, I am not a good model of what it looks like to jump from your nine to five into a business because I literally was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be in a nine to five world anymore. I'm going to start my business and quit in like 30 days. <laughs> I always tell people, do not do what I did because if I had to redo it all over again, like I would have had a plan and I would have been working and building my business at the same time and all of that. So I love that you modeled like what that looks like to pay off your debt and to, and you know, you, most people probably, this was a luxury for you. A lot of people probably don't have the luxury of paying off all their debt before they start a business, but it was a good thing that you were able to like do that and then save money and transition. And so tell me a little bit about the climb for you. What were you selling? And when did you know for sure that it was time to make that leap? Like, was it a financial kind of goal in your business outside of paying off your debt? Or did you just kind of intuitively know that like, all right, I'm seeing some consistent months. Now I can make that jump. Yeah, it was honestly a few different things that kind of all converged at the same time. In mid 2014 is when I actually hired my first employee. So I had about a year of still working full time, but I had hired someone to help. And between 2014 and 2015, I ended up hiring another person as well. So I had two other people who were working with me. Plus, I was working basically all of my free time after work and on the weekends. Yeah. So for me, it really just got to a point where I was like, I had to choose. I, I didn't have enough hours in the day to keep um, going on as I was. And I knew that if I did leave my full time job, I would be able to focus enough that I could not only put out more work myself, but also focus on focus on learning and figuring out how I could continue to scale and continue to delegate to others that I was able to hire. Yeah. Um, so it really just became like a time and resource management thing and made the decision that um, I, I was, you know, I was ready to really just put all of my own um, personal resources and brain power into Miss Designberry. 
Yes. I love that we're talking about the hiring process because I know that's really what you came here to talk to us about today. And I'm so happy to have your input in this um, because we're going to talk about what it looks like to create and manage a virtual team. But before we go there, I also want to look at like the strategy that you use to be able to get to the place where it was time to hire a team. So do you find that people were buying your designs via word of mouth? Did you find that Etsy was a really good platform in terms of getting your material out? Like how did you even get to the place where you were so sold out or overbooked with yeah. um, gigs that it became time to, to hire more people? Um, so Etsy is definitely a really great jumping off point when you are just starting out as a creative um, maker. And yeah, Etsy really has a lot of built-in traffic. So back in 2010, when I started, I was putting my um, designs on Etsy. And I believe at that time, I was really, at first I wasn't advertising at all. It was just people finding me on Etsy, probably a little bit of word of mouth, um, but not much because, because when you're on Etsy and you're selling, you're kind of selling all over the country. So you're not, it's not like a, a small knit community. It's more of like just kind of different people from all over. So it was really the Etsy platform that was bringing people to me. Um, I did do some Etsy advertising through their own like um, advertising platform. And then I started my sort of marketing experimentation, I'll say, with um, advertising on wedding blogs and um, paying to be like a featured vendor or, you know, a featured um, listing on different wedding blogs. And that's where I also started to kind of dip my toes into the marketing. Yeah. Um, and it really took a couple years and it wasn't until after I left my full-time job that I started actually really planning and having, you know, an advertising budget mm. but for those first couple years. It really was just um, the power of Etsy and sort of figuring out how I could make little small um, investments. Most blogs um, are like a hundred or one hundred and twenty-five dollars per year to be listed on their website. So it was a, a very manageable amount of money that I felt like I could invest and hopefully see at least somewhat of a return on my investment, and also just sort of get my name and my business out there and kind of up my credibility factor. Mm -hmm. I love that, and I also like that you touched on the niche because I think with every industry or for women in business at least uh, we find that a lot of people tend to be a generalist you know they'll be a general graphic designer a general photographer a general coach instead of saying you know what I need to find a niche and then I just need to be the most well-known professional in that space in order to grow my business quickly and you figured out that like weddings was your thing. And so you went on the wedding sites and started to dominate and mastered it. And now here you are like managing a team and farming out work and employing people, which is such a heart driven thing to do. So tell us about this whole team process. What tips do you have um, for knowing that you're ready to hire a team? And then once you decide to do it, how on earth do you create and manage a virtual team to help you scale your business? Yeah. So um, the hardest part is knowing when it's time to hire someone um, because there's a lot of wiggle room in terms of what you're able to do and what, what 
you reasonably should be doing and what you can be delegating. Um, it took me a little while to figure that out um, because sometimes it's hard when you're when you're starting up a small business. You think I could hire someone to help me with X, Y, and Z, but I could just suck it up and I can probably do that as well. You know, I can do my own social media, but I can also do this and that. And eventually, it just got it took me getting to a point of okay, I'm not getting a lot of things done because I'm trying to do them all on my own and for me, the first thing I thought was, okay, if I can train one other person to help with just the organization of um, my clients and my orders and helping me um, just stay on top of what needs to get accomplished on a day-to-day -day basis, that'll take a little bit off of my plate. And then hopefully that person can kind of continue to learn as they go and be able to take on more and more tasks. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of just like the mentality I took with hiring my first um employee was find someone who can do the bare minimum of things I need done now, but that I also hope can continue to learn and grow um, and continue to take on more and more things. Yeah. So that first person, when you say take on manageable tasks, so I'm guessing that like you didn't decide to have them support you in the design space when they first came on board. Like it was more administrative stuff, like checking on on customers, seeing what the need was, taking orders, following up. Or did you have somebody jump right into the design element? So what I did was I hired someone to start out with the administrative tasks, but I did hire someone who had a design background. Ah. And eventually, once she became familiar with our brand, the type of work I was doing, um, then she did start taking on a design role and started doing actual designs and um, helping me produce orders for my clients. Okay, so you know the big question that I have for you then <laughs> is screening and finding somebody like with a design background that is that matches your style. Like, yeah. How do you do that? Um, so what I have in the beginning, I have to say, I think I got really lucky. I found someone that ended up being an incredible asset to my team and was just an incredible designer and was able to learn and pick up so quickly um, from what I sort of taught her and trained her. Mm. Now, my thought process going into hiring a designer is really, I'm looking for the raw skills. I wanna see from their portfolio that they're able to do from a technical standpoint, what I know is required. And then I know that after they've been hired, I my team has like sort of a training process now and we're able to really teach them the fine um, skills and the refined sort of style for their for their own design work that will match our style. And so it's just really like looking for like, does this person have the raw skills? Can they can they do what I know they're gonna need to do? And if that answer is yes, then I know that um, afterwards we'll be able to sort of teach them, you know, the little finer things that they need to learn. Got it, got it. So finding that person though, like the nitty gritty of it, did you have to post on like, indeed or linkedin or did you just go to graphic design schools like what did that look like for you so my first employee i found on craigslist oh. <laughs> and really like <laughs> honestly i found many employees on craigslist wow. and still to this day even though i post on other places i still post on craigslist when i'm looking to hire certain positions um 
after Craigslist, I started using a resource called Barefoot Student, which is really targeted towards sort of the creative, um, fresh out of school, sometimes still in school um, demographic of, you know, potential hires. I have, um, and the nice thing about Barefoot Student is that um, when you post on their job board, it gets posted to like 50 other different websites as well. So it really kind of blasts it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Craigslist, Barefoot Student, and um, I've tried a few times. I've done um, a little bit with LinkedIn. I've tried a couple others like ZipRecruiter. But um, for me and like uh, typically the designers I hire uh, tend to be kind of more fresh out of school. The um, Barefoot Student and Craigslist is really where I've had the most success. Got it. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I think we're ready to move into the managing piece of of the talk. And I wanted to go here quickly because I feel like this is where the bulk of people's anxiety and questions come from, in addition to knowing when it's time to hire. But once you have found some people and you've interviewed them, you've had conversations and you feel like, okay, I want to try this person out. You know, managing someone virtually is an entirely different beast than having an office and they're coming in day in and day out and you kind of can track what they're doing and all of that. How did you deal with knowing that this person is going to be virtual and you're not able to really track their time and there has to be a lot of trust and what if they just flake on you? What was that process like for you so that our listeners can kind of figure out if that's the best thing for them? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely been a huge learning curve for me, um, especially coming from working in an office. Um, I think I have the benefit of, um, every person I've ever hired at this point has been for a remote, um, position. So I haven't had to like transition and switch gears from hiring, you know, for an office to hiring for an online position. But, um, I think what has been the most important for me is I always, I realize that, even if you're going to be communicating with someone mostly um, say on email or my team uses Skype, having a phone call, like an interview phone call is so important because it's really, you really need to get um, a feel for their personality and and what the person is like, because uh, you know, not everyone is like totally suited for an online position and getting a feel for sort of your compatibility with the person and, you know, if you have a good rapport with a person and how comfortable you feel with them, um, that actually goes so far when you have uh, someone you're hiring for a remote position because building a culture with all remote employees is really difficult and you have to work a lot harder. So you wanna find people who are gonna be a natural fit to your personality and sort of the company culture that you're looking to build. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what does that look like once you have a few people on board in terms of cultivating that culture? Do you guys do like any weekly meetings or do you use any like Basecamp or different online tools to manage folks and kind of keep people on the same page? Yes. So we have, um, so we use Slack as like probably I would say our main source of communication. Um, We have all kinds of channels. Every week we have a designer meeting um, and that's where all of our uh, design team is able to log on. And that's kind of our big meeting every week. Uh, and not only are the design team sort of getting updates and um, important information from our design managers, but then everyone's able to share their favorite designs they worked on or new assets or um, tools that they think the other designers might be able to use. So it's a really good um, sort of t- team building meeting and everyone actually really looks forward to it. We usually do it on Google Hangouts. 
Uh, so we can share our screen and show stuff. And so we've had to, yeah, really learn how to build in meetings and build in sort of team building. Um, but we we're making it work. So if you could look back and give your younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? I would just tell myself that um, it keeps getting better. I think sometimes, especially even when I was uh, in high school, in college, I would feel like I wasn't sure what what I was going to get out of life and what maybe I was meant to do. And I felt a lot of pressure that I had to figure it out and that I had to make everything perfect right then. And as I've gotten older, as I've gotten married and now had my first child and I have my own business, life just keeps getting richer. And um, I think I just wish that I could have let my younger self know that, hey, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> mm, everything is going to be okay. How beautiful. Well, we love your designs, Kristen. I mean, I encourage everybody to visit you over at Miss Design Berry. So how can people support you? How can they find you? And how can they share what you're doing with people they love? Yeah, so like you said, um, we have MissDesignBerry.com, which is where we sell the designs for weddings that we chatted about on um, this interview today. Uh, we are actually launching our second brand later this year that's going to be a children and family brand. And that is going to be called Kiki and Max. And that will be um, that'll be linked on our website as well. So if you visit Miss Design Berry, you will definitely see that on there as well. And um, the last thing is that now, after having um, sort of taken my business and grown it from an Etsy shop into its own website and its own brand, I uh, have started offering um, consulting to other Etsy shop sellers who are looking to move off of their own website. Mm -hmm. And so I offer those services as well as an online course coming out this year on my own website, which is kristinmastoris.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Kristen, for joining the show today. And thank you for sharing everything that's happening in your world. And we hope to have you back. <laughs> thank you so much. It was really my pleasure. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And as always, for more resources, as you continue to live out your beautiful mission of healing the world and grow your beautiful business, you can head to www.shehealstheworld.com forward slash freebie to see what new resources I have in store for you. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. And I can't wait to see you at the next episode.